Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 17, 20 through 26. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me, because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. As many of you know, uh, before becoming a pastor, I was a teacher. I taught fifth grade uh, for two years, and then I uh, taught seventh grade science for three years. And uh, part of the way, reason why I moved up to teach middle school is that you could supplement your income through lunch duty and coaching. And so I then, yeah, lunch duty. <laughs> Talk about fun. Uh, but coaching as well, and I coached uh, 7th and 8th grade boys and girls basketball and volleyball, uh, because those are two sports I played in high school growing up. One sport I did not play in high school at all was soccer. This is my soccer experience, was uh, indoor soccer at Edison Middle School when I was in like 5th, 6th, 7th grade maybe like that, right? Essentially, you put a ball in the middle of the basketball court, you have two cones on either side of the wall, which was a padded wall behind, right? And you say, go for it. And it'll just mass chaos. So when we were living in Wisconsin and Olivia was, I don't know, maybe first grade or so, um, uh, I remember Vicky getting a phone call one evening and it was whoever was going to coach Olivia's YMCA soccer team um, and needing an assistant and wondering if I would be an assistant. I felt confident coaching other sports. I didn't feel confident coaching soccer at all, but I thought if I'm the assistant, I can handle that, right? <laughs> People like doing that job, because you really don't have to know what's going on. Your job is really just to be there and help corral people, which was good because we get there, and there's no practices during the week, right? This is YMCA indoor soccer uh, for first grade girls, right? I mean, seven-year-olds that are just... You know, they're lucky if they don't fall down sometimes when they're walking or running. And uh, so we show up, and I'm thinking, is he going to do some drills, or what's going to happen? And the first thing this other dad does, he picks up the soccer ball, 
And he says, what is this? And they say, it's a soccer ball. And he steps aside and points at the goal and says, what is that? That's the goal. And he's like, here's what you need to do. Kick the ball into the goal. Let's go play. <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, there's going to be drills and whatnot. But it's not. It's, it was as simple as that. When you're first learning something, right? Just tell me the basics and let me go and play and figure it out. And we're going to mess up. We're going to fall down. Uh, we're going to knock somebody else down on accident, whatever it might be. But we're going to go and we're just going to play. And the reason why I bring that up now is we have two young people that have gone through communion instruction. Now, it hasn't been their first communion. They've been taking communion for a little bit. And I know there's people that have different preferences on it and on, on do you have to go through uh, formal communion instruction to actually learn what communion is, and then you can take communion, or is the right age limit for it? And that's not something that the ELCA says. This is the mandated time in which you can take communion. Depending on the church, it might vary differently. When I was in confirmation growing up, we were confirmed in eighth grade, and that is when you started taking communion. Was that it for anybody else? How many people remember everything they learned from confirmation? <laughs> right? So to have the idea that you have to have this formal instruction, because now you perfectly understand everything that's going on, and now you can partake, I don't know if I really agree with. I think it's more along the lines of this dad who was coaching indoor soccer with these kids. Here's the basic premise, right? Here's the ball, here's the goal, you kick it in. Here's Jesus. Let's have Jesus be with us. Now let's go play. And we're going to mess up, and we're going to figure it out, or we're going to knock others down, or we're going to fall down ourselves. But the, only, I, but the idea is, there's Jesus, here's Jesus, Let's go play. And the reason why I bring that up today is not just because we have two of our young people that went through that formal instruction, right? But we have the scripture this morning that talks about being one. Was anyone confused by this scripture this morning? I and you, you and me, me and them, right? And it's this circular thing that sometimes gets a little confusing. But here's the, the basic premise of it. Jesus and God are somehow mysteriously related, right? They're one. Christ is with us somehow mysteriously, so we're one with Christ, so we're one with God, so let's go play. That there's love and there's work to be done. That we are one. We live in a world that doesn't always act like we are one, are we? We are really good at dividing people up, aren't we? How have you divided people up? How have you divided others up? Have you looked at sexuality, race, skin color, uh, skin color, whatever it might be, size of somebody's nose, size of who knows what it might be? Remember the Dr. Seuss book, The Sneetches? Right? The reason why that book is so, right, is so powerful is the reason why they're dividing people up is because some Sneetches have star, stars on their bellies and some people, some Sneetches don't have stars on their bellies. And so we read that book and we think this is ridiculous, right? We see what's going on, that it, in the end it really doesn't matter. They're all sneeches. I think this lesson is something that's trying to remind us of that, right? We are one. Now, we do a really good job of dividing people up. But in the end, that's not 
true. That is false. That is what is the lie. The truth is, you are God's. And our whole goal in life is to figure out what that looks like to live it out through our faith. It is not the way that we live it out through our faith that makes it true. It is true. And now let's figure out what it looks like. Bless you. You know, I like to read. Uh, the book I'm working on right now is The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr. How a forgotten reality can change everything we see, hope for, and believe. Um, if you know Richard Rohr, I'm sure you're thankful for it. If you don't know Richard Rohr, you're welcome uh, for me introducing you to him. You can find him on podcasts. A lot of people uh, have interviewed him. Uh, he's a Franciscan priest. Uh, lives down in New Mexico and runs what's called the Center for Action and Contemplation, or Center for Contemplation and Action. I forget what it is, but it's understanding who we are and now that leads us to how we act in our lives. And uh, this book does a lot of talking about being one with Christ, that the universal Christ is so much bigger than what uh, we think, and that it really should open up who we are uh, understand Christ to be and what that means for the lives, that there really are no boundaries uh, to understanding where Christ is um, or where Christ can be found because Christ is already there. That all is God's, all is Christ, all is redeemed. And I like what he says here on page 36, uh, 37. You are not your gender your nationality, your ethnicity, your skin color, or your social class. Why, oh why, do Christians allow these temporary costumes, what Thomas Merton called the false self, to pass for the substantial self, which is always hidden with Christ in God? It seems that we really do not know our own gospel. You are a child of God and always will be, even when you don't believe it. I like how he calls it temporary costumes, right? You think about Halloween, you put something on to pretend this is what I am going to be for this night. Do we do that with the rest of our lives? Do we put on this costume to present ourselves in some way so people believe this is who we are? As opposed to letting our authentic self, whoever that might be within us, right? And to live out our faith that way. We are one with Christ. We are one with each other. Now, that also doesn't mean that we always agree. Anybody have a disagreement before in their life? This morning? Last five minutes. To be one does not mean hold our hands around a campfire singing kumbaya. Right? As nice as what that might seem like, or maybe that seems miserable to you. That's not what being one is. Being one does not mean everything is always the same, but what we understand is our differences are not nearly as big as what unites us. That we understand that there are differences, different thoughts, different personalities, different ways of doing things, and we will move forward together. And that seems to be a lost art in today's world, isn't it? that we base how we are going to act towards someone based on who 
we think they are or on who we think we are. That we have this temporary costume that we put on, this false self, and we dress somebody else up in this temporary costume or in this false self. We allow that to dictate our relationship with them. When in reality, the relationship we have with them is they are God's, we are God's. And how do we move forward in this together? So how do we see Christ in the other? How do we allow the other to see Christ in us? And if that is the case, there really is no other. There is only us. You ever have that experience? You know, it's happened before um, multiple times when you travel. You can be on the other side of the country. You can be on the other side of the world. Whatever it might be, and you bump into somebody, and you find out, right? I remember it happening this once. We were in... Uh, uh, where were we? we were in Florence looking over the city and Vicky and I bumped into this uh, group of people and they were there for a wedding um, in Pennsylvania from friends from the United States and one of them happened to be uh, at some point in their life they lived in Chicago at some point in their life we were like best friends all of a sudden <laughs> did you ever have that experience right all of a sudden you find this one thing that unites us oh my gosh we're the same and now we can talk and we have this great conversation and our friendship starts to bloom in that way. How do we let our faith be what dictates that in our interactions with other people, right? That there is a oneness and to let that be what springs forth from everything. Christ is in you, Christ is in me, Christ is in those who we consider to be other or that we would call them. Whether they believe it or not, whether we believe it or not, remember this is true, not depending on us, but it's true because of what Christ has done. And we let that be the springboard for everything that we do going forward. And we see Christ in them. And they see Christ in us. So as you go about your day, may you see with new eyes. May you see differences because differences are there. May you celebrate those differences. But also may you see a oneness that is true because we are all gods. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you are loved.